Glad you're here today. Hey, we, we are, we're here today, but we have you know, one church that meets in all these different locations. We love to say hi and welcome everybody in, be friendly people. Let's say welcome and hello to everybody on the other side of the camera. Over in Abingdon, Edgewood, Aberdeen, online, Mountain Road people here, glad you're with us. Hey, um, it's already been an eventful weekend, right? I mean, we got like snow and we got the shovel for the first time in a couple years. That's exciting, right? We had friends over. That doesn't happen very often. That's exciting. Uh, we went to a pickleball tournament. We went to a wedding and the Ravens won, y'all. You ought to be happy about that. It's already been eventful. I promise, though, whatever you did this weekend and however eventful it was, what we're going to do in the next few minutes, I do believe, uh, is something that will be more important than all of that. Um, so did you hear about the very devout Amish family that went on a field trip into the big city and they went to the mall and they were just bug-eyed about everything. They could hardly believe it. They were looking around and they just, they couldn't hardly believe they had never seen some of these things. They noticed there's this one, like this little room that had these shiny silver walls and then the walls would open and then they would close and go back together again and close like that. And the kid asked his dad, he says, what is that? And the dad had never seen an elevator before either. And he says, I have no idea. I have no idea. They stared as this very old woman with gray hair and wrinkles and hunched over a little bit with a cane made her way into that little room. She, pu she pushed a button and the doors opened and she got into that little room. The doors closed behind her and then a bunch of lights flashed and then pretty soon, ding, and the doors opened and out walked this beautiful young woman with flowing hair and not a wrinkle on her face and just sparkling eyes, smiled at them and walked by and the, and the man said to his son, Go get your mother. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's 2024, and we are all a year older, all right? And last I checked, there's no little magic room you can step into to change all that and take off 50 years. But what's kind of interesting is Mountain, as a church, is really, really old, as, as we've been saying around here, and yet we sense that God is doing like a renewing thing, like a new thing, and we've been... Falling on these words from Isaiah, feeling like they're really appropriate for us. Isaiah 43 is where God himself says, don't dwell on the past. It's nothing compared with what I'm going to do. I'm about to do something new. Look, like I have already begun. Do you not see it? And it's an invitation for you and for me to kind of like, look, like are you aware of the new thing that God would want to do in your life? And can we see and feel and sense what God is doing even in our own midst as a church? So 200 years ago, there were no light bulbs or cars or indoor plumbing, but there was a church in this location, and it's endured in an unbroken line for 200 years. It's called Mountain Christian Church, and here we are celebrating our 200th. We ought to once more just say, that's amazing. We're, we're part of something pretty special. I mean, that really is. So what we're doing is we're having like a year-long party in a way, and we're kind of beginning with this series where we're take, definitely taking a look back. Like there'll be times this year where we'll kind of just try to learn from the faithfulness of people who've gone before. But we're also saying simultaneously like we need to look inside and say like in this moment, what is God asking me to change? How do I need to grow right now? And then we'll also be looking forward to say, so what does all this mean maybe about the future? Like, what's the new thing that God wants to do in my life and, as a result, in our church? 
One of the ways we're doing that then is diving in in this series to kind of discover some of like, you could say like the hidden DNA that makes Mountain Mountain. Like what's the stuff, the sort of stuff behind the scenes, if you will, that's not really hidden or secret, but they are like these deeply held commitments, these, these values, these godly principles that we have latched ourselves onto that I believe are part of the reason that God has found it easy to bless this church in such remarkable ways. And if we can identify some of those values and principles, man, we can apply them in our own lives and also appreciate, you know, what God's doing in our church, okay? So we started um, um, a couple of weeks ago uh, with the first one, which was just kind of reminding ourselves, look, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? Mission first, like remember why we're here and keep focused on that. Then last week, Luke did a great job of reminding us that as we think about the world and as, as you think about the church, like we're not here because we're a bunch of like morally superior people who kind of have it more put together than someone else, but rather, man, we're, we're just broken people who are helping other broken people find the help and the hope and the healing that is possible through Jesus Christ. That's who we are, and that's a powerful truth as well. And today, we're tracking with another one of these godly values. And a heads up, I think we're going to do something at the end to put it into practice that I think we'll be talking about for a while. There was a professional violinist who finished this concert in this big concert hall, and as he struck the last magnificent note, everyone erupted into applause, stood on their feet, big standing ovation for his magnificent performance. But as he walks off stage, he has tears in his eyes, and he's got a very dejected and sad look about him. And one of the stagehands sees that and says, what? I don't get it. What are you so sad about? Those people out there are going nuts for you. And the violinist said, well, do you see that one man sitting on the front row in the middle who's not applauding or standing at all? And the guy says, well, of course I do, but it's only one guy. Who cares? And he says, well, you don't understand. That, that man's my father. And he's also my violin teacher. And if he doesn't applaud, it doesn't matter what 2,000 other people do. It's kind of a sad story in a way. Uh, but let me tell you what's even sadder is that a lot of people live their lives striving really hard to impress someone, some other group of people, or to live up to some kind of worldly standards to please a parent or fit in with the crowd or to maybe even fulfill and satisfy our own selfish ambitions or instincts, but then they come to the end of the performance of their life and they discover how empty all of that actually is, how empty we feel when we live that way, and discover too late that what matters most is that we live yeah, that, that you and I would, would live your life before an audience of one. To live your life before an audience of one. It's not just a slogan. It's a lifestyle. Realizing that the only opinion that truly matters of you is the Lord's. Okay? So we live for Him. We play for Him. We work for Him. We give glory to God for everything. 
trying to live your life for someone else's agenda is fruitless and empty, and, and we realize, man, we have nothing to gain. And by living for the Lord, you have nothing to lose and nothing to prove. Because at the end of the day, you do want the applause of the Father. It's the only applause that really matters. And the best part is this, that you don't have to try to work your head off and do enough good things to try to earn the approval of God. Like if you're good enough, God will love and applaud you. Because no, you know what? God, through what he's done through Jesus Christ on the cross, has already proved that he's crazy about you. He's already proved that. You've already been given the applause of heaven by a God who loves you. And when you accept that truth and you receive that kind of love that God has given everything for you, then it's going to show in your life and you're going to start wanting to live your life before that audience of one to the only one who matters, the one who's already loved and served you. Not because you're trying to earn and deserve God's love, but that you, you get that he's already given it. So that's what the Christian life is. Think about it. God is love, right? So everything about God's being is love. And then he manifests that in tangible way on planet Earth by coming himself in person through Jesus. And so you look at Jesus. How did he live? He loved. He served others, not as this powerful king who was about making people do what he wanted, but he introduced a different kind of kingdom where he served he, 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 he got down beneath people. He washed feet. He was with the lowly and he served. He gave his life away in a different kind of new kingdom, which looked like love and which looked like service. And then he said, the kingdom is here. They're like, where? What are you talking about? He said, watch how he loves. Watch how he serves. Watch his, his, his actions of compassion and love and bringing goodness and releasing it on earth. That, my friends, is the kingdom of God, loving and serving like Jesus. And then in a most astounding turn of events, he turns to us, his followers, and he says, now you guys, carry it on, keep it up. You do the kingdom work. You make the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Refusing to ever just... Believe the lies about putting yourself first and refusing to believe the lies about what really brings joy and happiness and fulfillment in life. Like you don't believe it's about fame or a bigger house or more money or being successful by the world standards because you've been loved, you've seen it in me, so now seek first, Jesus says. Seek first above everything else you do with your life. Seek first what? The kingdom of God. And all that other stuff, he says, will be added to you. So go on, live like Jesus, serve like Jesus, bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and that's how you live your life before an audience of one. That's the Christian life, y'all. God loves. It comes to you, and if you receive it, it's going to flow through you. So it's not about you saying, oh, i got to be a good Christian. i got to do a bunch of good things. i got to do good and, you know, all that. 100% wrong if you have that attitude. God already proved that he loved you when he sent Jesus to the cross. And if you receive that love, you receive the way he served you, it changes you, it fills you, it warms you, it sends you to share and love others. Now, you know, there's been a lot of research um, done on octogenarians, people in their 80s, and they ask them this question, like, what do you regret as you look back? That's a really fascinating study. Ask a bunch of old people what they would do differently. And by far, one of the biggest cluster of answers, you know what it comes down to? Where they say things like this, like, I regret the times I was just so selfish and couldn't get out of my own way. I regret when I ignored what truly mattered in life. 
I regret when I didn't listen to the spiritual voices from God calling me to do something, urging me to love and serve others. They regret that they chased the wrong things in life, that their priorities got jacked up and they just couldn't get out of there. They regret when they lived before the wrong audience. It's It's so much to learn from that. But one thing we definitely learn is that if you want to have a big pile of regrets, then live your life for yourself. But if you want a life of significance and meaning, you do it the same way Jesus did, serving, serving others. See the way I love? Love like that. When you accept Jesus' love and grace and service and forgiveness and like like. Jesus brings all of that to the world like rain to a parched desert sand. And we desperately need that kind of grace in the world. And we need more of God's hope and light and life and goodness and change. That's the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, what what is the kingdom of God? Kingdom of God is not a physical place. It's not a geographical spot. It's not a dot on a map. It's not some floaty thing up in heaven. What is it? It is simply wherever God's will and way happens. Wherever God gets what God wants, that moment is God's kingdom. It might be a human heart. It might be a family. It might be a marriage. It might be a home, a community, a church. But wherever God gets what God wants and God's will and God's way and God's love and God's light and God's healing and all the stuff you saw happen through Jesus, when that happens, it's God's kingdom coming. One day he'll restore it completely. But until then, we've been charged with bringing it here with your one life, seek the kingdom of God. So how do we pray, Jesus? How do we pray, Jesus? He says, well, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Say it with me. Thy kingdom come. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer. Everybody wants the kingdom of God to come. It's all good stuff. We want the love, the grace, the power, the change, the hope, the life, the light. We want all of it. A Christian is simply one who says, let it begin with me. Everybody wants it. A Christian says yes to God's assignment that he gives us, a kingdom assignment. And if you don't want to have a lot of regrets in your life, you want the applause of heaven, you want to live before the audience of one, don't miss the fact that God has a kingdom assignment for you. He's calling you to be part of the greatest work in the world, not by being a king of something, but by being a servant and loving people the way Jesus did. Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, to be served. I came to serve. And then he said, now you follow me. So following Jesus isn't about thinking nice thoughts or cussing less. It's about letting your life be Jesus-shaped, pushing back against the messages that are rammed down our throats constantly about what it really is to have the good life. Like look out for number one and make sure it's all about you. It's like all that is empty. Leads to a life of regret. So let me ask you, if I hired a private investigator to follow you around, do detailed research on your life, would, there be, would he come back with this evidence, this report that, oh man, this person is clearly about kingdom work, like they're serving others, they are, there's something about God's love in their life, there's compassion there, there's action there, there's a justice concern there, would there be enough evidence? to show that God's love has come to you 
and is not stuck there, but is flowing through you. You're called uh, to serve in that way on a kingdom assignment. Now, there's no more graphic way to illustrate this than by a story that Jesus told one day. Um, and so if you have a Bible um, like this one or you have an app or something, you, you want to open it to Matthew 25. I'm just going to tell you the story today, though. I'm not going to put all the words on the screen like we sometimes do. because Jesus tells these stories not so we'd have a picture in our mind. Even if later we can't remember a verse, we can remember a picture. So he wants to leave us with a picture, and it begins in verse 14, Matthew chapter 25, and it begins this way. He says, again, it will be like a man who went on a journey. Again, it will be like a man. Now, before we go any further, we have to be good Bible students and remember that once in a while you pay attention to some little words, right? And so we begin with two little words, again and it. Again tells us that Jesus is going to do a little more or say more about something he's already been talking about. And he says, again, it, what's the it? What's the it he's talking about? Well, you go back to the beginning of the chapter. He says, I want to tell you, Jesus says, I want to tell you about the kingdom of God. And then for the first 13 verses, he tells a story to describe it. Now in verse 14, he says, uh, let me tell you another one. Again, it, the kingdom of God, will be like. So he's going to describe for us something about the kingdom of God. Of God, And, of course, when Jesus tells a story, he's not just telling us a story. He wants us to be able to realize this, to find ourselves in the story. And if you find yourself in this story and you're in it somewhere, you'll have a better idea of how to find your kingdom assignment, which is when life gets exciting. So the story is about a guy, a rich guy who has a lot of stuff and... Um, he, he has some stuff that he wants to give out uh, to some guys, and he calls together his servants, and he trusts them with his stuff while he's gone. And we learn right away that there's some ground rules in this story. Everybody in this story understands the ground rules of what's about to become like a kingdom assignment. First of all, everyone understands that everything belongs to the master, all right? Like, he owns it all, and he's entrusting it into their hands for a while so they can Invest it. Make it grow in a way that would make the master happy when he comes back. Make it profitable. Get a return for it. They all know that's what's going on here. He's going to come back and ask, how did it go? Second, there's an assignment that happens. That's verse 15. The master gives you something. Do something with it. That's the assignment. So he takes a lot of his money and he divvies it up and it says that he gives five talents to one guy two talents to another, and one talent to a third. Now we have to stop again and say, okay, wait a second. We're living in the 21st century. What's a talent? Well, we use that word in our language, talent, and we use, it means something different today. You know, like America's got talent. You know, somebody can juggle or blow bubbles with their nose, and, you know, we call it a talent. But, you know, in the ancient world, um, talent was money. It was currency. It's a denomination of value. It was originally a weight, and then it came to be called uh, money. Like in the English, uh, English people, they used to have the pound. You know, now pound is still currency today, even though it started as a weight. Same thing with talent, all right? And um, so in the ancient Roman world in which Jesus lived and was telling the story, the talent is the highest denomination 
in the Roman Empire. And if you do some math, you can study your, your Bible and figure out that, that one talent equals about 60 denarii. It's another denomination of money. And if you fast forward all that and say, if Jesus were telling this story in today's terms, he would say something like this. There was a really rich guy who's getting ready to go out of town. He calls together three of his servants, and to one of them, he gives $22,000, and to another, about $9,000, and to another, about $4,000. Okay, so in other words, right away we realize, oh, doesn't matter how rich this guy is, this isn't chump change. Okay, this is a significant investment on this guy's part. This means something to him. You know, he cares about, this is not chicken feed, it's a substantive amount he's invested. Second thing we see in verse 15 is that it says he leaves. He leaves. Like he really leaves. He's not like, here's some money of mine, and then he goes, hides in the bushes and watches to see what they're going to do with it. Like he really, he's counting on these guys. Okay, and he goes away, all right? That leaves the workers then with some options about what they're going to do. What are the options? Well, verse 16 says the first two guys, they take the money, and it says they invest it wisely, and it grows, and it multiplies. The guy who was given five talents, it says right away, at once, immediately, like he jumps on it. He puts the money to work somehow, and he invests it. It turns into ten. And the guy who was given two talents, it also brings a nice ROI, you know, return on investment. He comes, he has four. But the third guy, verse 18, he goes out and literally he buries his talent. He's thinking, I'm going to tuck this thing away. I'm going to keep it safe. Ain't nobody going to get this thing. And those are the options when the master gives you talent. You take them and you can find a way to make them grow and invest them in things he cares about and produce a return on them. Or you can bury it. You can do nothing, play it safe. You can forget that you're only supposed to bury dead things, not things that are meant to grow. So that's the story. And then it ends with some accountability because the master will hold us accountable for what we did with what he gave. So each guy has to come and give an answer for whatever they did with what the master put in their hands. It's the point that when God gives something to us, there's a responsibility that's attached to it. Because after all, remember, it's his stuff. So we read about the accountability in verse 19. And honestly, it's kind of shocking. When the master comes back, everyone reports, you know, the guy who was given five talents comes back and says, I took the five, I put them to work, and it grew, and I've got five more. Here's ten, and he slaps it in the master's hand who's like all giddy, like, woohoo, way to go, high five, bring it in, big hug, well done, faithful, good servant. I love it when a plan comes together, you really get me. And now notice two things in there. If you look at the text, it says they both had joy. He's getting a standing ovation from the, ma- from the father, from the master, but also he's like, now you're going to share in my joy. And you get the feeling that the, the guy who doubled it is kind of like he's feeling it too. He's like, that was fun. Give me some more of that. That was exciting. I, I enjoyed that. And then the guy with two does the same thing. Master, you gave me two, but check it out. I got four. Boom, slaps in his hand. He's like, bring it in, big guy. Knocks, you know, he's like, Well done, good and faithful servant. You had two, you got four. Man, you're going to really, bless you. I bet you have a lot of joy in that. He's like, yes, I do. And he gets a standing ovation. And then if this were a movie, there would be a dramatic scene shift right here. The background tone would change and all the violins and flutes would change to like cellos and basses, like bo, 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 somber music. Because now it's accountability time 
for the third guy. I used to have a dog that when he occasionally would get into the trash, you'd come home and you didn't, have, you didn't see the trash, you saw the dog, and he just was a dead giveaway. He's like his eyes, his, his tail between his legs, just like, what, enough? I didn't do nothing. So, and, and that's how this guy I picture is. He comes up to the master, slinking, and he's got this lame excuse. He begins by saying, well, master, first of all, I just know how harsh and cruel and mean you are, and I'm how everyone's so afraid of you. Isn't it interesting what some people think of the master? I knew how scary you were and how harsh you are and mean you are, so I, well, out of fear, I, I buried it. But here it is. I still have it. And he hands back the one talent he was given. Don't trust me. It hasn't seen the light of day since you left. I didn't want to lose, so I didn't play. I was afraid of what might happen, so I made sure nothing happened. I didn't want to take any risks, so I played it safe. And he, trying to convince himself and the master that this is a good thing, a good way to go at it, that he played it safe, took no chances, didn't invest it. And he's in for a rude awakening because what he discovers here is that it doesn't make the master happy at all. In verse 26 is this chilling and disturbing result because by now we've kind of all figured out that the master in the story is our master, God. And that makes verse 26 one of the most, I don't know, haunting verses in all of the Bible because what the master says to that servant is, you wicked and lazy servant. That word there in the, in the original language, agneros, it means, it's as if he's saying, you timid, cautious, shrinking from fear, servant. You're so lame. You refuse to risk anything. You failed completely the courage test. You chose inactivity. You hesitating, fearful, timid, wicked servant. He's condemned because he was paralyzed by fear. Afraid to use the talent that he had, afraid to take a risk because he misunderstood the master's heart completely, which is, you know, that he wants his gifts put into play and to, to see them then kind of grow into something more. And we hear that, and as a part of you, Jesus does a great job. He always sucks you into his stories. When you first hear it, you go, well, what a dumbbell. What did he do that for? You know, why didn't he do something with it? And then you realize, oh, my gosh, this gets personal, right? You say, how could that guy do that? And then you realize it's talking about me. And you, because we're all in this story, because guess what? We have talents too, don't we? And the truth is that some of them we've buried. Some of them are on their way to becoming a regret. We have talents we've been given, but we also have all these fears. And sometimes we're just so timid and afraid. And it gets personal when we hear the master say, if you were so respectful of me, if you say you're a Christian, you say you get this, you surely of all people would have known what kind of return I really want from what I placed in your hands. And then back to the story, it says he's thrown out and he suffers and he misses out on all the joy in the presence of the master. Man, there's so much to learn from this whole story, but the main thing is this, remember this. We've got to figure out what is our kingdom assignment because get, get this, the Lord still makes kingdom assignments, you guys. This wasn't a story from long ago, it's about your life now in the new thing that God is doing. He still makes kingdom assignments, and every one of us has an assignment from the master. And when you think about it, we have the same ground rules, right? Look at the list. Number one, God owns it all. Fair enough. Everything you have, everything you are is a gift from on high. 
He's given you talents, abilities, experiences, painful ones and good ones. He's given you relationships and contacts and connections and opportunities. He's given you financial blessings and other blessings. He's given you insights. He's given you ideas. He's given you talents and passions and dreams and strengths and a temperament and open doors and all of it. They're part of the talents that you have and the collective experience. All of it is a gift from God and there's a responsibility attached to pour them back into your kingdom assignment, your kingdom impact, to serve someone some way in Jesus' name. And this, by the way, is how we grow, isn't it? Like when, when God nudges, when you say yes and try to not just fear but have faith and step forward, those responses are precisely how we grow when we get past some of the timid excuse-making that others want us to have. I mean, so think about it. The way we grow is we stop taking the talent and burying it with shovelful after shovelful of excuses. Well, I would, but I'm just so busy. And we take a big old dirt pile of busyness and throw that excuse on and I'm too busy. I would, but I'm just so unworthy. And we take all of our insecurities and all the things that we think discount us and God could never use me, and we just throw a big old pile of, of dirt on top of our talents that way. Or I'm so new at this. Or I don't know enough. Or someone else is going to have to do it. Or it's just so scary. Or I'd just rather keep doing my own stuff. And before long, it's buried completely beneath all of the, the fearful shovelfuls of excuses that we have. Remember the ground rules, you have an assignment and you've been given a talent, don't bury it. Now some of us have been given a whole bunch of bagfuls of resources, some of us not so much. We're not given the same amount. That's not up to you or me, that's up to the master. Some people have all kinds of things they can bring to the table. We're, we're, not, we're not given the same exact talents. Yours won't be identical to mine or anyone else's. But God never requires of us anything that he hasn't already given you. He knows what he's planted inside of you. He knows the experiences you've had, the sorrow, the pain, the, the struggle, the abuse, whatever. He knows all that. He knows that you can use it somehow. He knows whether you can sing, whether you're good with numbers, whether you can arrange flowers or welcome people or organize things or are good on the phone or you hate kids or you're good with friends. He, he knows all that. The point is to try to be faithful with whatever it is and use it to say, yes, your kingdom come through me. Through this stuff you gave in my hands. And the point of this story is that the winners in this story, they seized the day, they took the risk, they threw themselves into something recognizing everything belongs to God. He's entrusted me with it. I want to use it somehow. And we've got to realize that the last part of this story is for us too because God does hold us accountable for whatever we do with what he's given us. There's a responsibility attached to all the blessings and the resources, everything, the time, the talent, the treasures, the trials, the traumas, the trouble, the talents, all of it. So what would you do with what I gave you is the accountability question. And the truth is, the Lord's coming back. So in other words, there's, time is running out. You've only got one life on your tombstone. You know the old thing about the tombstone. You've got two dates on your tombstone, the one where you are born and the one where you die. And all that matters is that dash, the one life you had. What would you do with your dash? That's the question. Seize the day. And the options that are open to us are the same as they were in the story. Use it or lose it.
don't bury it. It's not, so many people think the whole point to life is like, what did God give me? What am I, how much did I get? What did God give me? That's not the point at all. The question is, what did you do with what God gave you? So we stopped comparing our gifts. We stopped comparing any of that. Just, what'd you do? And the best thing you can do with your one life, your experiences, your personality, is give it away for God in the ways that make God happy. Make it work for his kingdom. Season of the day on the kingdom assignment that's given to you. So that's, Jesus is just a great storyteller, isn't he? And, and I think that one of the ways we can honor that the most is by taking this powerful teaching and we want to make this a, a story that we'll, we'll not soon forget because today we want to put this teaching of Jesus into practice in a very practical way. So let me tell you what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask for some volunteers who are ready in this room right here and at all of our campuses we're doing this, who are ready for a kingdom assignment, all right? In fact, we're bringing the house lights up so we can look around. I can see you. You can see me. We're going to need several people, actually, who are ready for a kingdom assignment. Maybe you're just open. You don't even know what it is. That's okay. You don't have to know. You just have to know I'm kind of open to a nudge from God, like there's something that I might be ready for, all right? Something kind of cool is about to happen. I'm just, first of all, we just need to pray, all right? Everyone take a deep breath. Everybody listen as we pray. Listen to the Lord. Here we go. Lord, uh, we ask that you would help us in this moment and come be present in a powerful way. That you would guide every step and every moment of what's about to happen. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, so as I said... We want this today, today to be a day we'll remember. So I'm looking for some people who are ready to volunteer for a special kingdom assignment. If someone will come up and, yep, grab this, we're going to make room. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to come up around the stage. Some of you are like, oh, I'm out. No, just come on. Don't be afraid. If you are open to that, we're going to have several people. I just, would you just pop your hand up? You're ready for a kingdom assignment. Who's ready for a kingdom assignment? Your hand was up first. Why don't you come on up here first? Yep, great. Raise your hand if you're up for a kingdom assignment. Mr. Ravens, 92, right there. Come on. Right here, right here Ben. You, sir, right there. Come on up. Right here. All right. You ready? Come on up. Jared, who are you pointing to? Coming up on stage right there. Yeah. Okay. Come on. You got to come on up here. Just stand right here. Stand right here. I need, I need somebody to count these for me, and, and uh, you come, come over here and stand right here, hon. Good to see you. All right, we're not done yet. Let's do some more. You got all some right. more coming? Okay, the, here they all come. All the way in the back of the room right here. Come where, on where, where? Come on out. You, yes. You thought you were going to sit in the back and get away with nothing today, but that didn't happen. I need a hand from way back there. I see it. I see you. I see you. Right? Yep, yep that's you. And the one right behind you, too. Come on. You ready, ma'am? Yeah, come on. Who you got, Brian? Brian, go look at someone in the eye. They're all looking at their feet. All right. Are you ready? Come on up. Come on, sir. Right here. All right, let's Best dressed guy in the house. He ought, to, he ought to be up here on stage. Let's get a Come count up here. real quick, Ben. Let's get a count All right. here. People right here. You're sitting in the front. Why not? You ready? Took you a while to get to it, but you're ready now, aren't you? All right. How many we got? Come close together. Come close together. Really close. You're almost going to touch shoulder to shoulder. Count me up here, Bradley, and tell me what we got. Okay, wait, wait. We just need a couple more. All right. Hold oh. on one second. 
So where are we at? Bradley's our official counter. We'll figure it out. Brian, you'll help me figure this out, right? We're looking for exact number. Hold on. Man, you're so mean, Jared. You're going to turn people away. Where are we at? It's just Dennis. It's all right. We have 27 on the stage. We can't take any more right now. You'll see. It's okay. You'll see. Don't panic. We have 27, right? Or is there 28 now? Someone tell me. Count one more time. All right. It's okay. First of all, can we just say thank you to these people and, and welcome them? All right. Hey, you guys. All right, so squeeze as close together as you can. Yeah, we want to see everybody. Yeah, bunch up a little bit, stand sideways or whatever you need to do. There you go. Great, thank you. All right, so in our story today, there's a master and there are servants. And in real life, we have a master. And you all are servants of the master. And you are about to be sent on a kingdom assignment that God will make known to you. You're about to go be sent on a mission from God, okay, in a special way. You're going to need something for this mission, and Jared and I are going to give you what you need for your mission right now. maybe tell by the confused look on their faces each of our friends here were just handed two fresh crisp $100 bills those those dollar bills those $100 bills were taken from our church offerings people gave them with the intention that they would be used in God's work somehow some way and they are going to be just not in the way that we might have anticipated they're going to be used through you on your kingdom assignment that God will show you And there are three conditions, three ground rules, just like in Jesus' story. Number one, remember, this is God's money. Okay, God's money, not yours. Number two, go do something good for God with it. All right? Go invest it somehow in the things that are close to the heart of God. Do something kingdom good with it. Make it grow any way you can. And then third, after you've gotten whatever maximum impact you can from it, You're going to come back and report the results to us in 90 days. You're going to tell us what happened to someone else and to you, okay? You might might take that $200 and you you might feed a few homeless people. You might take it and start a homeless shelter that feeds 100 people for 100 years. That part's up to you. You might repair someone's car or you might get a whole bunch of mechanics together every Saturday of the month for a year and repair a bunch of single mom's cars for free. You, you might use it as seed money to invite others to join you to raise enough money to build a whole habitat house for somebody. 
Invite others into the play and see what happens. You might send Bibles to a prison. Whatever, it's up to you. God's going to show you. He will show you. It's between you and God. I know one person was given a similar amount of money, and they threw birthday parties for kids in their neighborhood. They lived in a pretty, pretty under-resourced area, but they knew a bunch of these kids had, weren't going to have very good parties. He found out all their names and what their needs were, and he got a little tree, he put it in his yard with cards on it, and all the neighbors wanted to get in on it. So they all started grabbing those cards, and that 200 became 2,000, and they threw some great parties for a bunch of kids who never got one. I know another person that uh, they, they, she bought books. She bought a bunch of books, went into the pediatric ward of a hospital and just read to kids in the sick ward reading face-to-face with a bald little girl. And then others got in on it, a bunch more books, a bunch more people got involved, that ministry kept growing. So what is it for you? It's, it's between you and God. God can do so much um, with just a little sometimes. Another person here at Mountain was given a similar amount of money years ago, bought a bunch of broken-down bikes, had a bunch of folk in the church that knew how to fix up bikes, fix up the bikes, and then gave them away to kids in Haver to Grace. That ministry started 21 years ago. It's still going today. It grew. Made a lot of kids happy with the love of Jesus that way. I don't know what it is for you. It might be blankets. It might be Bibles. It, it might be whatever it is. But it, find some way that you can be involved in God's work. Invite others to join you, to grow it any way you can and report the results back in 90 days. That's the challenge. God's money, go do something with it. Come back and tell us. See people, feel the need, pounce on it when it comes, and I promise you will walk away more blessed than anybody in this and share in the joy of the master, as it were. Okay? Are you ready? Yeah? You ready? How you feeling right now? Energized? Confused, excited, scared. I think we need to pray. What do you all think? Um, Let's do this. Would you all just stand as a way of showing how important this moment is? We're going to commission you. A bunch of our friends from backstage are coming out, lay some hands on you. If you guys want to just put a hand in the direction of our friends, you're going to be commissioned and sent right now. You're going to be sent out on a commission for your mission with God. And friends here, if you want to just... Maybe you want to open your hands or hold those dollars up before the Lord right now because they're his and you're going to offer them to him in a special way in the moments that follow, okay? All right, y'all ready? Let's pray. God, we pray for our friends right now. I pray that you would show them what you want them to do and then help them to be faithful and not worry about any other applause from anyone else, just only from you. Make all this grow into some larger impact for your people and your kingdom. Lead each one to be able to think like Jesus would, to say yes to whatever you assign. And Lord, if even one life is impacted for Jesus, it'll be worth it. So create a big explosion of good. Help us all to be in it for good. Change our lives, all of us. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said... Amen. Let's show our appreciation, our encouragement for you guys. All right. Now, before you go, we want your names. You're not getting out of here without us getting your names. So just follow Jared. He'll tell you where to go right back there. You'll just just take a moment. Just follow him right back. And then um, 
Yeah, let's applaud for him one more time. As you guys grab a seat, grab a seat. All right. Something's going to happen. I don't know what. Something's going to happen. Um, okay. Before we leave, something else, one more really important thing needs to happen today. And you have something actually on this seat in front of you. Would you all grab that little thing that looks like this? I want to make sure everyone has one in their hand. Go ahead and take a minute. Hold that, hold that up. And some of you are like, right now, you're thinking, oh, great, I get the cardboard one. Because some of you didn't get up here on stage. Some of you raised your hand, didn't get called on. Poor guy got up this far, and Jared, that meanie, said no. Hey, but here's the truth. Um, I don't need to put $200 bills, $100 bills in your hand for you to understand that you and I are sent on a kingdom assignment. Every one of us is going to walk out of here today with a kingdom assignment. And some of the coolest stories are going to come from us. Nobody handed you a dime. But you already understood that God's given you what you already need. Some talent, something. And now's your time to use whatever's at your disposal. Because we're all challenged for a kingdom assignment. So take this little marker, put it on your fridge or your, your, uh, your dashboard, wherever it will help you remind you as a token to put the fear and the timidity. And I'm saying over the next 90 days, like focus in on something. Not just general, yeah, I'm going to love Jesus more. No, no, no. What's your kingdom assignment over the next 90 days? And you'll be ready to tell your story as well. And you can imagine what's going to happen as a church gets old like us. We're not looking back. We're looking at the new thing God's going to do, and he's starting one right here, right now. What's your story going to be? Can't wait to see. Let me pray for you too. God, we, we do ask that you would help us to receive whatever call, whatever mission, whatever assignment you have for us. Help us to be faithful in it, bold in it, and give us a story to tell based on your will, your kingdom, through us. Thanks for loving us and giving us a reason to love other people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's pretty cool, huh? That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about, okay, across all of our campuses, five, six, seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. five, six, seven thousand people. If everyone uh, takes this serious, like we have a kingdom assignment, the Lord is has given so much to us. Now we're going to go and, and be in it for good. Yeah. The difference that can make in our community, in our world. Can you feel it? Yeah. If all of us take that charge. And so I, I just want to invite you. I don't, know what, I don't know what the Lord's doing in your heart. If it's like, yes, I've been thinking about this thing that I've been wanting to do and I feel like now God is just kind of pushing me into it, go do it, mm. okay? And maybe something comes to mind really quickly on what your kingdom assignment's going to be. Uh, so there's a camera out in the commons here to the right. You'll see it in front of the stone wall. Go tell Justin. He's out there. He'll put a mic in your face. And we want to we hear some stories of what God's doing in the heart of mountain people so that we can share that with our entire church That's family cool. across all of our campuses. That will only work to motivate and inspire each of us just to walk more closely with the Lord. Don't be so timid and shy. I think some of us have that stuff. We're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But just yeah. be bold. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. So, hey, as we get ready to leave, uh, maybe all this is kind of, jacking you up and you're like, I don't know what to do with all these thoughts that I have. We'll have prayer partners up front. One of the things we do with our thoughts uh, when we're like, God, what are you calling me to do? We invite other people to pray with us through that. So our prayer partners will be right up front. Let them pray over you and send you out with a blessing today. Uh, if you're new around here, uh, come to the new here spot. We want to send you out with a gift. It's not 200 bucks, but it's a pretty awesome mug, okay? Uh, it's similar. So come on over. Let's send you out with a gift and a blessing today. I'm going to have you stand. We're going to end. Um, actually, Cole, uh,
be done with the padding. It was beautiful. It was good. But come on up here with us. Okay, come on up here with us. We're going to stand, and uh, let's do this. This is like, uh, I don't, if you watched the Ravens game yesterday, first half wasn't great, okay? I don't know if you noticed that. And then they all got in the locker room. I don't know what happened, but I'm guessing at the end of their time in the locker room, there was this moment where the coach was like, you guys ready to do this? And they were all like, we're ready to do this. Hands in the middle on three. You know what I'm talking about? You've experienced that? <laughs> so uh, we're going to leave here. Our benediction today is going to be us saying, we have a kingdom assignment. Yeah. Our kingdom assignment is to go and to be the church. So I feel like half time's over. Let's get ready. Be the church on three. Got it. Be the church on three. I'm following you. Yeah. Be the church on three. Hands in the middle. Hands in. Everyone all together. Be the church on three. One, two, three. Be, be the, the church. church. All right. Go in peace, y'all. We love you. We'll